The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Glory to you, O Lord. The Pharisees came forward and began to argue with Jesus, seeking from him a sign from heaven to test him. He sighed from the depth of his spirit and said, Why does this generation seek a sign? Amen, I say to you, no sign will be given to this generation. Then he left them, got into the boat again, and went off to the other shore. The Gospel of the Lord. Okay, yeah, it seems to be something of a you know, nondescript passage, the, the asking of Jesus for a sign. Okay, why, you know, why can't I ask Jesus for a sign? Yeah, and then we start, okay, we start thinking, we're going to pray this more, I'm going to ask Jesus for a sign. You know, okay, we, well, if we're, we don't really want to be in the camp of the Pharisees. Okay, so this is perhaps the first warning, we don't want to ask Jesus for a sign. But um, yeah, what's, what's, what is that issue here? And why, why is Jesus' warning so stark? Why is he, you know, there's, no, there's nothing to soften the blow here, right? No sign will be given to this generation. Yeah, and the, we have to understand, uh, to some extent, the, the nature of signs, right? Or, or things say, I don't know, extra, how would I say, something like extraordinary confirmation of X, Y, or Z. But the, pro- the problem is the X, Y, or Z, right? Because it's, it's to say, you demonstrate to us on our terms what it is you're doing. Okay, so this is the challenge, right? It's like, some, because Jesus, by the way, we're, we're in the eighth chapter, okay, in our, um, in this, in our daily cycle of readings, we're in the eighth chapter of Mark, okay? In our Sunday cycle of readings, we're, we just come to the end of, of the first chapter of Mark, where we've already seen miracles galore, right? We've seen everything in, in that first chapter, and it's only continued through the, eight, through the eight chapters, right? So when they're asking for a sign, have they not seen what he's doing, right? The, the many signs that, that he's worked, have they not seen them? Right? So what are they asking for then? Right? Confirm us. So you have competing agendas, right? And one of the, the Pharisees' chief agenda, I don't, I don't know how much sense it makes to explore this this morning, just to say a couple words, is that you know, the Pharisee agenda was to say, like, let's, let's drive for the purification of Israel. And in, in, there, are, there are ways that that's actually a very good thing, right? We're going to say, we are a people set apart by God for his service. So we have to focus on being a holy people, and that means observing the law right down to the right down to the details of it. And not just that, but also yeah, turning up the heat on the thing so that everyone is compelled to do it. And not just not just follow the law, but follow our interpretation of the law. And and lo and behold, that becomes a, a project by which they control everybody. Yeah, oh, we've never seen that before, right? So this is, you know, they have all the power and they're going and they use it and they, to some extent, it looks like they abuse it. And this also is, you know, part of their, uh, you know, we're going to allow the distinctions between us, the Jewish people, and the the non-Jewish people, the Gentile world. Uh, we're going to allow those distinctions to become greater and greater, but uh, um, so that we have something to defend. Yeah, and, and when we are encroached on in any number of ways, including, say, cultural by the, by the pagans, then we're ready to push back because we're defending something and something that's important to us because every little thing has become a sign of our Jewish identity. 
Yes, and you look at it and go, and Jesus looks at it and goes, oh, that's not exactly what God had in mind when he called Israel to be his, his people. They were called to be his people so they could be for the other, right? In the sense that they're always going to show God's glory to the nations. So anyway, they're just competing agendas, right? And, and Jesus is enacting his own kingdom of God agenda. And he's, what he's saying there when he says no sign will be given is he is dedicated to doing the kingdom of God agenda God's way. And because everybody's bent on some other version of the thing, they're not going to receive what they're looking for because he can't confirm them in their agenda. He's going to keep pushing through with his. Now, I want to say, St. Paul gives us, uh, sorry, St. James gives us in the, in the first reading uh, some of the kind of practical outworkings of that and the, the agenda of the people of God proper. Yeah, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, and then he speaks to the 12 tribes in dispersion, right? So he's speaking to God's new Israel people. Consider it all joy. Now think of the agenda, the competing agendas, right? Whose agenda are we living for? Jesus's or the world? Because uh, this, is, this is the sense of signs. Only, only, one is, only one camp here is going to be able to make sense of the letter of St. James, okay? Consider it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you encounter various trials, Okay, that's complete nonsense to the world, isn't it? So if we're living in the, if we're living in the culture, the agenda of the world, right? The the I don't know, how, I don't really want to get into like the, the secularist whatever. In a sense of like, oh yeah, things are just getting better, right? The world the world is just getting better. It's just it's just the way it is, right? So we have a better grip on the way things that are now than than before, and and it's just we're all everything's getting better day in day out. Okay, consider. This is not, this is, we, we don't want anything to do with trials, okay? We don't want anything to do with trials. Okay, so then James is saying, consider all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you encounter various trials. For you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Now, so, okay, again, the testing of your faith, the testing of your faith, in the sense of the, um, the opportunity to grow in strength of adherence to Jesus say, out of season. We get the in-season part. This is the out of season, right? The endurance of, of various trials, encountering various trials. We recognize these opportunities to grow in strength of trust in Jesus and, and even the habituation of myself to following him in difficult times when, when the Jesus agenda comes with a cost, right? So we're going to count trials as joy, let perseverance be perfect, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Okay, let me see. But he should ask in faith, this is important, but he should ask in faith, not doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed about by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord, since he is a man of two minds. He's a man of two minds, right? So the agenda matters. We cannot be some of this and some of that. Yeah? There's a man of two minds, unstable in all his ways. We're either committed to Jesus and living the life of costly, generous love that he has called us to, or we're going to live by some other agenda. And if we're of two minds on the point, we're never going to get anywhere in the Jesus agenda. 
We might continue to get somewhere in the worldly agenda with the veneer of the Jesus agenda on top, right? We might get somewhere in the pursuit of riches and wealth and pleasure and comfort and the rest, and yet we're able to keep up appearances as it relates to being a Christian, but we'll never be able to make progress as it relates to the endurance of trials. We'll just reject them out of hand as something to, to be tolerated at best, and really we don't want to tolerate them at all. Yeah, we're of two minds. We're not making progress in the way of great and costly love that we can only live by faith because by faith we're, we're following Jesus. Right? The brother in lowly circumstances should take pride in high standing and the rich one in his lowliness for he will pass away like the flower of the field. Yeah, the, the idea, again, right? We, we pursue the worldly agenda it's all, it's all wiped out anyway, right? It's, it's all subject to, to rust and, and decay and, and the moth and the rest, right? It's what agenda are we living for, right? The sun comes up, the scorching heat dries up the grass, its flower droops, the beauty of its appearance vanishes. So will the rich person fade away in the midst of his pursuits? Yeah, so that's the question for us. What are our pursuits? And if we have the pursuits of Christ Jesus, then we receive the confirming signs of Christ Jesus, Right? We will see signs. Yeah, we will see signs because we're committed to the agenda of Jesus. I'm, I'm like this. You know how close I am to like opening up a whole can of worms here. Like I'm, I'm this close. I don't want. I'm not going to do the controversial thing. If you want, if you want to know what's on my mind, you can, you can ask me after. I'm not going to, I'm not going to do it today because I have to digest it. But we will see, we will see signs. Yeah, and those signs will be the signs of the agenda. They'll be the signs of great and costly love, including our, our growth in perseverance, our growth in faith, our, gro our growth in hope, our growth in love. But, they, but we will see more than that still. We will we'll see the power of love, and it's coming to fruition, not only in, in our hearts and lives, but in the hearts and lives of the people for whom we bring his love to life. Yeah, and the freeing power of God's own life of love. We will get to see those signs. We'll get to be part of, of those miracles. It's ours simply to give, our, to give ourselves over to Jesus and his agenda and trust and follow him in all things.